are you today? I'm doing great. Ready for a little camping trip. Oh boy, that sounds nice. Okay. Yeah. Cool. How are you? I am doing great. I'm doing great. All good. All good at this end. All right. Well, I'll take this opportunity to just welcome our listeners today to Flanagan's Eco Logic and our very special father-daughter duo, the Clean Energy Crash Course. And we have some exciting content to discuss today. Um, I am reminded that I am my father's daughter um, <laughs> with a passion that was brought to life. Uh, we're going to talk about the emissions time bomb. Um, yeah. Well, welcome, Dad. Well, thanks. Great to hear your voice today. That's for sure. It's On a great Friday. Yeah. Beautiful day. And this so, is uh, this is one of my very favorite topics, you know. Yeah. And, you know, we just have to assume that not all of our listeners are familiar with the emissions time bomb. Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe you could start from the very beginning. Uh, what was the genesis? What are we even talking about? Yeah. And how yeah. did it all begin? Yeah. Let me take a shot at explaining it. And then you can ask uh, the questions that sort of clarify. But but Ecomotion, my company, was we were hired out in the Coachella Valley to do gr greenhouse gas inventories and climate action plans for, I think, five cities out there, six cities, plus a tribe, the, the Coachella Band of Kawea Indians. Um, and we, we had a lot of money in the budget for community uh, outreach. And uh, I sort of didn't know what to do and, and what we could do to raise awareness about the enormity of the greenhouse gas problem. Some of those cities out there are very, very conservative. So I'm really scratching my head trying to figure out what to do. But I saw a visual uh, that was came out of the United Kingdom, a company called Carbon Visuals. And it was just a graphic representation. But what it showed was it showed a classic, you know, one of London's classic double-decker buses. Uh, and then it showed behind it, it showed a sphere that was even taller than the bus. So imagine a, a bus and then a sphere, you know, raised probably five feet above the, the height of this double-decker bus. And that represented one metric ton of carbon dioxide. And I said, oh my God, that's just an incredible graphic. Well, how many tons of carbon dioxide, you know, does the average Californian emit? Well, it turns out it's one ton per month. So that huge sphere that, you know, larger than a double-decker bus um, represents one person's, you know, greenhouse gas emissions for a month. So it's just this enormous, an enormous um, amount of gases that we're all responsible for that are, that are going into the environment. So... What we did was we thought, let's build a mat, let's build a display, let's build that display to scale, um, and let's call it the emissions time bomb. Because uh, Michael Ware and my staff and others, we had grown up with you know these time bombs that we all had, these ticking time bombs, these black time bombs. You wound them up, and uh, and they tick tick ticked, and whoever got left holding the time bomb obviously lost the game. But but we thought that the what the earth is experiencing is an emissions time bomb that is tick, tick, ticking away. And it's a huge problem. So we, we decided to make this, the big sphere that was behind that bus, we decided to make it black. We decided to put a fuse on the top of it. We decided to call it a bomb, very controversial. Uh, but we decided, we actually just went ahead and, and built the display. It's, 
pretty extraordinary. Um, and it's pretty massive and hard to believe that Americans are emitting double digits of those every year because the atmosphere is not unlimited. We, it's just a tiny little, little film around the biosphere. So can you talk about how our um, carbon dioxide emissions are compounding in the atmosphere and why it's a problem? Well, I, I sure can. Um, you know, at the time when we built the, the bomb, it was 2012, and um, mankind uh, or hum humankind, you know, globally was emitting around 30 uh, gigatons. So 30 tons times to the, to the ninth, right? Or 30 billion uh, gigatons uh, per year. Uh, so just this enormous, just this enormous amount. And so that would be like, 30 billion of the emissions time bombs that we're talking about. Uh, I just checked the data this morning. Uh, we're up to around 36 billion um, gigatons of greenhouse gases that are that are being you know ex pumped out into the environment. And what's really what really intrigued me <clears throat> was that it turns out that as you go into space and you you know we're we are living in the troposphere. And then the next layer up is the stratosphere and then the mesosphere and then the thermosphere and then the exosphere. Um, but the troposphere is only 20 kilometers thick. That's like, that's 12 miles thick. And that's where all the greenhouse gas emissions get, get captured. And no wonder when you got 30 billion, billion uh, of these um, uh, bombs going off into the atmosphere, no wonder that we're experiencing you know, climate weirding. I tried to make that relevant with an NBA-sized basketball. And I did the math, and I realized that the troposphere is only like about two layers of latex paint thick on that, on that NBA-sized basketball. So then again, if you just wow. start thinking about all of those greenhouse gas emissions bubbling up uh, in that very, very narrow bandwidth of life, again, you can see why our climate is just going absolutely berserk. We've never experienced this number of parts per million, or we haven't in, in, in a long, 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 long time. And some of our listeners will be familiar with 350.org, um, started by Bill McKibben and, and the term of parts per million. Um, it's considered safe for our carbon uh, levels to be around 350 parts per million. It's obviously an important molecule in the atmosphere, but currently there's some, what are we at dad? 417 or something? Um, I really think you're right. I think it's right. It's around 420 right now. And so, yeah, 350 was considered that tipping point. If we went past that, uh, you know, we would start to see all sorts of, of, of weather, unusual weather patterns, you know, more fierce and more, uh, more frequent um, floods and droughts and all of the things that we're, we're seeing right now that all of the climate scientists predicted that once we passed 350 or whatever the level, you know, whatever that tipping point was, that we are past it now and we're starting to see, we're seeing so much of this calamity. So, you know, all the way back to the emissions time bomb, the idea was just to, and that was, you know, t 10 years ago, was just to work on the naysayers and to sh show that you know this is these emissions are enormous you know per capita emissions enormous imagine imagine you know, you have a house and imagine you had 12 of the emissions of time bombs you know sort of hovered over your house that would be an, that would be incredible 
And then if you had a family of four, then that's all of a sudden that's 48. And that's just for one year. So uh, that was that was the idea was to create a display that would really sort of blow people's minds, but but raise that awareness. And when you walk up to the emissions time bomb, and we encourage people to punch it and kick it and whatever they wanted to, it was made of a thick of enough vinyl that you could do that. But again, that troposphere, that narrow bandwidth of life that we all live within was only a bit, would only be about four inches on the surface of the emissions time bomb, this huge, you know, 32 foot sphere. Yeah, so needless to say, we're globally exceeding our budget and um, experiencing the consequences of that. And so part of the problem is because people maybe don't see the immediate impacts of climate change, it doesn't feel so real. And because carbon and other greenhouse gases are invisible, it's hard to see. So the time bomb serves a really important purpose in raising awareness. Um, so bring us back to some of the details. How did, I mean, we, we get the vision now, but how did this even come to be? Yeah. Just imagine this big, huge black thing, you know? Well, you know, I think you remember Jordan Garbayo who worked for me. He was our, he had the, the very unusual title of emissions time bomb manager. Uh, <laughs> but you know, his job was to try to figure it out. You know, how would we build, how would we simulate that, that graphic, that image that we'd seen from, from London? And uh, he immediately got us into the bounce house technology. Now you see these, well, we all know what bounce houses are, but you also see these large displays on top of car dealerships and other retail furniture stores where they've got a massive panda bear or something up there. And, and those are, and there's, those are inflatables. They're called inflatables and they have a, a blower that an electric blower that's just pumping air into them. They're kind of leaking gases over time or leaking air over time, but they keep pumping them up just like a bounce house does. And so we thought, hmm, let's let's consider that. And we we found a group called Inflatables 2000, and they had never made a, a inflatable this large, <clears throat> um, and they'd never done anything quite like it. So they were they were intrigued by it. We actually had to scale it. We wanted it to be accurate. We wanted it to be one metric ton of CO2. And when we say that, you know, you'd say, well, what temperature? And we would say 20 degrees C Celsius. And we would say one atmosphere for the atmospheric pressure. It turns out we couldn't build to that spec. We actually had to use a slightly colder temperature, zero degrees Celsius, uh, to, to stay within their, their manufacturing or their fabrication limits. So, so we ended up with a sphere that is you know, just shy of 32 feet uh, in diameter. And then it's got this huge donut at the bottom that kind of that keeps it stable. Um, and then it's got a it's got a large uh, fuse coming out of the top. It cost about seven thousand uh, seventy five hundred dollars to make this display, um, and then we were like, "Oh my God! Now we <laughs> now we have this thing. Now what do we do?" So um, the first thing we need, wanted to do was to test it to test an inflation. So we had everybody come over to to my house in Glendale, where we've got a, a fairly sizable front lawn. And we started, we, you know, unfolded it or rolled it all out. And then we plugged it in and uh, we started blowing it up. And it was like the blob, you know, this big, like a huge air mattress, a huge black air mattress that just started bubbling up like the blob. And then it got bigger and bigger. And it, all of a sudden it was above our heads. And then all of a sudden, it, you know, it literally went as high as the house uh, itself, which is a two-story two house with a pitched roof on top of that. Um, 
right off the bat, uh, ABC News, uh, heli the hel helicopter somehow caught wind of it and came over and we made the evening news uh, about some crazy guy in Glendale that's apparently just dis displaying, you know, the ravages of climate change or something like that. So that was really, that was the beginning. And we realized then that we really had a, you know, one of the best um, visuals for, for climate change and greenhouse gases, like you said earlier, all these gases are invisible. People can easily say, oh, they don't even exist. So, so putting, a, you know, putting it into a, a very um, oh, kind of a shocking form, uh, we thought was very useful. And it certainly, it certainly got a lot of attention. Yeah, it certainly went off with a bang. <laughs> it certainly uh. did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting an eye roll from Alex. Um, <laughs> so tell us about, you know, what happened next? I mean, how did you use the emissions time bomb? Well, it really, yeah, it really went back to its, um, you know, it's, it's really intended purpose was, you know, we had this contract in the Coachella Valley. We wanted to raise awareness about climate and climate issues. And, and we, and we wanted, basically wanted all those city councils and the tribe, the Agua Caliente, I think I said, I pronounced their name wrong before, but we wanted the, the cities and the tribe to all, uh, you know, their councils all to adopt our greenhouse gas inventories, kind of uncontroversial, but then the climate action plans that were means to drive down emissions in these cities. So, so we used the, um, we, we concurrently, we created a whole, a core of interns, uh, green for life interns, we called them. And they were in these bright blue shirts and wherever we set up the emissions time bomb, the display, we had all of the interns surrounding it, talking about it. And we had also developed with the interns, we developed something that we called the save a ton campaign. So instead of just being this shock and awe, like here's this ugly, ugly, ugly display that looks like a time bomb. You know, let's turn this into a campaign where we try to get people to save a ton. And saving a ton in this case would be like one twelfth of your annual emissions. And so we had notepads with all sorts of tips, you know, meatless Mondays will save this amount. Of, you know, you, these light bulbs will save this amount. We had all sorts of uh, values calculated. Uh, we had pledges where people would sign up and say, yes, I will save a ton. And I work with my family to save a ton. We had little stress balls that we gave to everybody that were highly popular that that were black and like little simulations of the emissions time bomb. So so that was really that was really exciting to have um, to have such a, a campaign wrapped around it. And I'm very proud to say that all of those greenhouse gas inventories, the first that were done in all those cities, Palm Springs, Palm Desert, um, Desert Hot Springs, Cathedral City, Blythe, and the Aqua Caliente, they all were unanimously approved. And their climate action plans, which really called for significant investments when you really read the plan, those were all those were all approved as well. So it it really uh, the display really fulfilled its mission. But then we had uh, all sorts of interest uh, across the country. How can we get the display? You know, this has shown up in the press. How can we get this display um, to to come to our campus? And uh, at one point, uh, we decided to, to take an East Coast trip. And so we rented a van and Sky, Sister Sky and I and Jordan, yeah. they literally crossed the country um, with the, the time bomb. We set it up in the snow in Boulder, Colorado, University of Colorado. Uh, and then we went out to Clark University. Just as we were coming into Boston, they were just capturing the Boston Marathon bombers. And here we were coming with a large display okay. of a bomb. 
And so uh, actually Harvard canceled our, our uh, inflation, scheduled inflation there. We decided BU, to quit. <laughs> What'd you say? BU, I think also canceled. A couple of universities canceled. And understandably, I mean, oh, it was just the, the, the worst possible timing. We, we did tuck the fuse into the, uh, right into the, into the bomb. That was sort of clever. You could sort of like tie it off like an umbilical cord. Uh, so it was no longer a bomb. It was, we just started calling it the ton, but, but it really was, uh, incredible. We, uh, we went to, I think about a half dozen locations. We were on the quad at Brown university. Uh, we were at Clark University. We ended up on the step, the Sterling, or outside of the Sterling Library at Yale University. And there I thought, um, you know, there's a guy, uh, Anthony Lazarowitz or Tony Lazarowitz, who runs the Climate Communications Group. I thought, you know, all these Yaleys, they would just all get it. No big deal, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it was just incredible, the number of people that came up and talked to us about the display. And I would say half the people that walked by took pictures of it. It was, it's, it must, this, this, this bomb must have been photographed I don't know how many times, but many, many, many times. So we had uh, we had all these different inflations that we did. Um, we were at different events and schools and, and universities and farmers markets, uh, all you know, laying out uh, you know the ravages of climate change and why we all need to take action. Conferences. I remember it inflated at ASHI at the LA Convention Center. Um, that, made, made the homepage of Brown University on Earth Day. <laughs> I remember setting it up in terrible weather at Middlesex Community College. Oh, that was cold. Yeah, it was not a fun thing to set up in the cold. And actually, it was equally difficult to deal with in the heat. We set it up in the, you know, in the desert a few times. And then if you, once you leave it up for a few hours, this enormous black you know, vinyl object so I had to have really good gloves for the entire crew to take the thing down because it got so hot. But it was, you mentioned the, uh, the going into the LA Convention Center and we had been given, I guess, by Aishi, we'd been given a booth there. And I think the typical booth was like 10 by 10. And I said, well, we need at least 50 by 50. And, um, and, and it, anyway, they had, a, they, they granted us that and they had alerted the, uh, the convention center crew that, that, you know, one of the largest displays that they'd ever had was coming in. And so they, you know, the, the crew had opened up these hangar doors at the back of the, at the back of the convention center. And of course, our emissions time bulb folds up into, uh, like I mentioned the air mattress sort of, you know, image there, but it folds up into something that's about three feet by two feet by two feet. You can go in the back of a little pickup truck. Um, and so, and we had it on a dolly and of course we just wheeled it in through these enormous doors. But, but then, you know, once you set it up, yeah, it's huge. And so while we're uh, reminiscing about the past, there was another fairly comical event that happened um, in Anaheim. Do you care to digress <laughs> about that? Well, I'm glad that we can call it comical and laugh about it. Um, but yes, uh, it, was, it was just an incredible thing. We, we had always joked in the office, oh, well, yeah, what if someday, what if the emissions time bomb blows away, you know, and and flies away, and uh, we oh, yeah, ha ha ha, and we had designed it with um, with all sorts of water ballasts all around the bomb. We had all sorts of ballasts, and we had stakes that we could use if we were if we were in turf somewhere. But I was back. I think I was having dinner with you or Sky back in Boston and some others, and I got a call from Michael Ware, who works for us, and and he said, believe it or not, the time bomb flew away, 
And I, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, right, right, right. I said, Michael, don't joke around. He said, no, I'm serious. You know, there's emergency crews here. Uh, Drew has been taken off to the hospital. Uh, there was a power outage, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, I, I, I didn't believe him. He's a very funny man. And I just thought he was pulling my chain. And it, how could that possibly be? But what ended up happening was as our team uh, was setting up the bomb at, in Anaheim at an elementary school site where they were going to, or maybe, yeah, I think it was elementary school site where they're having a science fair. Um, they were setting it up and it had reached inflation and there hadn't been any wind at all. And uh, before it was all tied, properly tied down and ballasted, uh, a wind came up and literally the bomb just flew like a beach ball at the beach. And this thing was huge. I mean, you know, 32 feet in diameter is very, very large. It's a very large ball. Um, two, three of my team members, Michael Jordan and Drew, were holding onto it. Uh, they were with, with tethers uh, just to sort of keep it for, in position. And they were, they were yanked badly. Um, literally three staff ended up in the emergency room that night um, with, with you know, burns on their hands, uh, dislocated fingers. Uh, uh, thank God that Drew, who was lifted into the air and fell down about 10 feet onto his back, he, thank God he was okay. But it was um, a really, really scary thing. There were, there were comical moments. There, there was a group of school children uh, the, you know, the class, a couple classes, I guess, probably fourth grade classes sitting out under a tree out in the field and, um, in the shade before the science fair and the bomb was coming directly for that tree. And, uh, I guess one of the teachers yelled to the kids run for your life. The kids are scattering. Like, like and it was just amazing. And then the, the bomb took out lots of branches in the upper part of the tree. Fortunately, no kids were hurt. And then it rolled o over a, a, a four lane highway. Um, fortunately no car accidents occurred and then it, and then it rolled over this lady's house and she was a Frito Lake, Frito Lay's company night worker and she was sleeping in her house and she told us later, what the heck? She had no idea what had happened, but it rolled over her house, taking out all the antennae and the vents and oh, everything. God. And then it went into her back alleyway and shorted out the power lines. So we, uh, we literally had, um, ambulances there, utility crews there. <laughs> uh, television crew, television crews there. Uh, and we learned a, a huge, I mean, you know, we're an environmental consulting company. Uh, we learned a big lesson about, about physics. And what we learned about was the Bernoulli effect. And just as a beach ball takes off on, on a beach, uh, same thing with planes, they get their lift by having different uh, air, you know, air waves going over the top of the, of the, of the, of the wing and the bottom of the wing at different velocities. And that's what, that's what creates lift. And that's what, that's what created this whole, this whole uh, bomb getting away. So, so it was really scary. And I thought I'm never going to use this display again. Uh, and then Robert Smith, who, you know, a fantastic engineer, one of my tennis buddies said, I've got your solution for you. And I said, please, what's the solution? I was just going to load it up with ballast and everything. And he said, no, you just have to put a zipper from the very top of the sphere to the very bottom. And then you attach a, a string to, to the very top uh, the, where the zipper is at the very top. It zips all the way up to the very top. And then you just tie that string uh, on earth or to a truck or wherever it is uh, so that if the bomb takes off, the zipper just completely bifurcates the emissions time bomb and then it immediately deflates. So that was the that was the fix. But it was um, boy, it was an exciting adventure. Yeah.
talk about trial and error and you know thank god for insurance <laughs> and that nobody was hurt um yeah. yeah and so the time bomb has had quite a life um and i know you had it for what 10 years or so yeah yeah 10 About years that? and it then really... yeah, go ahead yeah, we've just been it was time for it to find a new home um, and I forget, how were you contacted by the folks in London? Well, we've had, yeah, we've had over the years, um, we've had interest in the emissions time bomb literally from around the world. Um, people have asked us for its specifications. They've asked if they can rent it or they can borrow it. Um, and we've always said, geez, you know, we'll, we'll give you the specs easily. That's, that's an easy thing to do. Um, and we'll let you know, you know how much we spent. We're very transparent with the whole thing, but um, we'd never obviously shipped it somewhere because it's so it's so heavy. You know, not only have the actual bomb itself, but then you've got the blower, and then you've got all the ropes and the lines and all the ballast bags and the stakes. I mean, it really is a it's quite an operation uh, when when you really get down and take a look at it. So. But um, there had been, but I was at a certain point, I guess a couple of years ago, I just said, you know what, it really is time to have this thing move on. And so this fellow from the United Kingdom, uh, Dara Coleman, nice guy, uh, said to me, you know, would you like to, is it possible to rent it? And I said, oh, we don't really care about renting it, but if you want to buy it, uh, we, could, we could work something out. Uh, he, he's, he was leading a group called... Um, WACC, War Against Climate Change in the United Kingdom, and a nonprofit, you know, environmental group, um, obviously concerned about climate change, and he just thought it would be perfect. Uh, so he, we, we made arrangements um, for him to, to ship it to the United Kingdom, and then after he'd used it a few times and checked it out, he could send us some money. Um, Unfortunately, so he did all that. Uh, he did all the, the shipping. We had it all boxed up uh, and at gross cost. Uh, the emissions time bomb was loaded onto a freighter and uh, or I guess a train across the country or maybe a truck across the country, truck train combination and then onto a boat off to England. Uh, and at, at this point, Dara Coleman, um, I'm, I'm ra rather disappointed. He's not been able to get any permits to inflate the bomb over there. So he hasn't been able to use it. And uh, so he, he's, he's, the contract is written that if he doesn't use it, he has to send it back. And so I'm, um, <laughs> I'm very disappointed. I don't want it back. We had a good run with it. It's a fantastic display. I just like to have it. I like, like to see it get a new home. So certainly uh, one of uh, the things that we want to leave our listeners with is, is, is anybody knows of an environmental group or organization literally anywhere in the world that would be interested in this emissions time bomb, uh, we will give it to you. Um, and actually Dara Coleman and his group, WACC in, in the United Kingdom, uh, will ship it to you. Uh, so it, it's available, I guess, long story short. And it would be a shame to landfill it, of course, but it is looking for, we are looking for a new home with somebody who's eager to, uh, to really use it for the impact that we know it has. Absolutely. So we need your help, listeners, um, to find a new home for our beloved time bomb. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, it's just such an incredible demonstration. It's, it's, it's huge. 
Um, and so it's, it is great if it can be inflated and deflated so it can move around and have, have widespread impact. I guess the campaign of save a ton probably comes with the bomb itself, right? Sure. Sure. All the materials and everything that we developed, we're happy to, happy to share. So it's a big opportunity for, um, anybody looking for a new way who has a very large yard or a connection to a public space who might want to use that opportunity to raise awareness in your community. So dad, yeah. Do yeah. you have any final, final thoughts before we wrap up here? No, it was, well, I, yeah, I have lots of thoughts, but I just, it, it was great. It was just so great to, to take an idea uh, and, and, or to have a problem, you know, how do we raise awareness? How do we get some of the, the naysayers specifically in the Coachella Valley to recognize the enormity of emissions just to begin with, even if they don't believe in the connection, but emissions and, and climate weirding and climate change, but it really fulfilled that. And so it was, um, a tremendously fulfilling project. And yes, it would be wonderful if, if somebody wants to take it and uh, make it their own project. Well, I commend you on your creativity and entrepreneurship and um, persistence, sticking with it and bringing the vision into reality. And hopefully that through this podcast or other efforts, we can help find the emissions time bomb a new home. Yeah. I think I think I told you that when I when I told Terry that what I had bought and she said, what? You spent eight thousand dollars on what? <laughs> but it was a uh, boy, it's ever worth every penny. It was yeah. it's been worth every penny to, to be part of the uh, the awareness raising that I think now uh, we still need to raise a lot of awareness. But now there's a lot of a lot of awareness out there. Now it's time okay. for action. Thanks, not sure, Sarah. Not sure who adopted who. <laughs> all right thank you dad and thank you everybody for tuning in um let us know you can also visit the ecomotion homepage um to find pictures of the time bomb in all its glory um and reach out to the ecomotion team if you have an inquiry or any interest in helping us relocate the time bomb all right dad all right signing off great to chat <laughs> likewise talk to you later all right bye everybody that's it. Thanks for listening to Flanagan's Ecologic. We'll see you next time.